I'm Hermine Hartman with Indigo Studio, and today we've got a very special guest, Madam Mayor Lori Lightfoot, number 56. She's the 56th mayor of our great city. Her term started in 2019. Voters gave her a mandate. She carried all 50 wards in the city. Before being mayor, she was a lawyer, lawyer with one of the largest firms in the city, Mayor Brown. She served as president of the Chicago Police Board and chaired the Chicago Police Accountability Task Force. She's the first open gay African-American mayor in America. She's the third African-American to be mayor of the city of Chicago, and she is only the second woman to be mayor. And she's got a lot to say. 2020, well, it's been quite a year. And here we are, Mayor Lori Lightfoot at City Hall in the city of Chicago. We're on the fifth floor. We're in her office. We're in the press office. And boy, she's got a lot to say. We even got some scoops. Stay tuned. Don't go away. Indigo Studio and I, Hermine Hartman. Thank you for having us at City Hall to chat. It's my pleasure. Good to see you. It's good to be seen. And so uh, you wanted to be mayor of the city of Chicago, huh? <laughs> How you like it now? <laughs> well, it's been an interesting uh, now almost 16 months. So Chicago holds the status of being the most segregated city in the nation. And often we're said uh, to be a tale of two cities. How do we stop that? How do we merge Chicago? How do we become one? How do, how do you as mayor, what do you do? What can you do to deal with systemic racism? Well, you've asked a lot there, so let's let's start with the segregation question. First of all, I think we've got to start with our young people. We've got to create more opportunities for the kids in Roseland to talk to the kids in Rogers Park. Mm. We got to have the people in um, Austin talking to the kids in Alcohol Garden. So we've got to bring our students together, and we can do that very easily now virtually. So we need to take the advantage of those opportunities. But really, segregation is about housing. It's about redlining. Mm -hmm. It's about not creating opportunities uh, for um, really creating black wealth and economic development in communities. So we have embarked upon a number of different strategies to start to get at those decades-long um, areas of discrimination from our Invest Southwest um, initiative, which is we are infusing $750 million um, city dollars and attracting private capital in the neighborhoods on the south and the west side. We've done a lot around um, affordable housing and making sure that we're building strength in neighborhoods so that when neighborhoods uh, evolve, um, that gentrification doesn't mean displacement um, to the people who have been living there uh, for a long time. We put money into black and brown neighborhoods so that people who are homeowners, particularly our elders, have the ability to do the upkeep and maintenance because they've got resources um, with which to do that. So there's many other things that we can do, but those are some of the core strategies that we're doing, and all of those things um, get at systemic racism. One of the things I'm most proudest of is we hired and empowered a chief um, diversity um, and equity officer who is focused on looking at the ways in which city government has been a hindrance to racial equity and not a help. So she's spent a lot of time um, looking at different ways in which 
Uh, we can do things differently in city government, mm-hmm. but also raising the consciousness mm-hmm. of policymakers around issues of racism, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. The, the inclusion. Yes. Big word. Yes. So what, what have we learned from the unrest, the civil unrest? I mean, 2020 is the year that was. Mm-hmm. Won't, won't we be glad when it's over? But you've had challenges like no other. What have, what have you learned from the unrest? Well, I think that um, what we've learned from the civil unrest is a couple of things. That um, righteous indignation over the murder of George Floyd actually expands to a much broader lens here in Chicago because we've had our George Floyds in the name of Rakia Boyd and Quintonia LeGreer. um, And unfortunately, a list that is way too long. Laquan McDonald. Laquan McDonald, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we have to support the people who are out in the street. What I want to see is them channel that energy towards very concrete solutions. But I think what we've also seen, unfortunately, is people who don't share our values try to hijack these peaceful protests and turn them into something very different. Now, that's that's what I want to talk about. We saw on Monday, August 10th, we saw disaster. We saw downtown Chicago looted. We saw Michigan Avenue looted. We saw Oak Street. And we don't talk about the infiltration that came. That wasn't Chicago oh, I people. Do. Oh, I do. Tell me why, how, what do we do about well, it? Well, let's even go back further. Okay. Because a lot of what we saw at the end of May, we saw really three things. We saw a massive public outcry of people who were righteously upset about the murder of George Floyd, about systemic racism. That was happening on one level. But embedded in those protesters were people who came armed Mm -hmm. for a fight Mm -hmm. with frozen water bottles, um, shovels, uh, uh, um, bowling balls, uh, all kinds of things. And they they were using these things as weapons to incite the police and, tellingly, they came with videographers. Not just phones, but they came with videographers. Cameras. Cameras. Absolutely. And a whole, and they've been very sophisticated about the way in which they have used social media real time to put out a narrative that actually doesn't match the narrative on the ground. We've gotten better and smarter and pushed the police department to make sure that they are owning the narrative and where they screw up Obviously, there's got to be accountability. But what we've seen is these forces that have embedded themselves into the peaceful protest, they have come to fight and incite the police. Why didn't the news media report that? Because they made it look like these were kids from a certain South Side area, and this is what the bad kids did. And it was infiltration. I I was on the street. I, I went out on the street. I saw clusters of 10 people, white in black with suitcases with the things that you described. And you could see it, and it was like, wait a minute, what are, well, what are you guys the, doing? In the third element, mm-hmm. and that happened in May and again in August, is organized criminal robbery crews. Now, we've known that they've been a thing in Chicago. Uh, they were striking the downtown area in one-offs. They'd go and steal a car in the suburbs, bring the crew downtown, go into a Louis Vuitton, a Gucci, and do a smash and grab, and then take off at a high rate of speed. But when you see people coming 
with U-Haul trucks, with cargo vans, with sophisticated robbery tools. That's not folks from the neighborhood taking advantage of an opportunity. Now, some of that absolutely happened, some of that opportunism, but it was first in instance happening at a time late at night mm-hmm. on a Sunday night mm-hmm. when they knew that we were most vulnerable and they struck. So three pieces, peaceful protests, embedded vigilantes, and then very sophisticated, organized robbery crews. And here's the other piece that you should know. This wasn't unique to Chicago. It was all over the country. It was all over the country. Mm -hmm. And on August, the night of August 10th, when we got hit, Baltimore got hit. Denver got hit. Dallas got hit. So it was organized. It was, there's no question that it was organized. Political year. This is a political year. We've got a president in office yep. that uh, you've chatted with. Um, do you think this is Trump motivated, Republican motivated? Look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any stretch of the imagination. But when I talk to my fellow mayors in Atlanta, D.C., Denver, Seattle, L.A., and we are seeing literally the same Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. on the ground, when we are seeing literally the same things attacking us in social media, just changing the name of the mayors, who's got the level of sophistication that can do that? Mm -hmm. I just read an article today in New York Times on Kanye West and how the organization for him, PR-wise, politically-wise, all of them quit after you know so much but you could tell it's absolutely from a trump organization absolutely yeah so the the messaging mirrors the things that the president Mm -hmm. and his team are saying Mm -hmm. trump is running on the 1968 nixon plan Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. present yourself as the law and order order. president Mm -hmm. well how do you do that when there's peace, you don't do that. You orchestrate chaos and then you attack and say, I am the answer. And then attack the Democratic mayors. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and interestingly, black women. Black women. Very noticeable. <laughs> hey, 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 we're guests here. Close the door. It's probably why our energy bill is so much higher than yours. You know, ComEd makes it easy to save money and energy. Hey, look, we even got an instant rebate on the smart thermostat. And rebates on Energy Star appliances, like this refrigerator. And this washer-dryer combo. Close the door! Find even more rebates from the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program at comed.com slash rebates. People will always come and go in our lives, but we all know those few who never left. The partners who've always had you covered. That friend you consider the best, because that's how they make you feel. At Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, we know what it means to be there, guiding you toward a healthier state of mind. Because the more we know as individuals, the healthier we all feel as a community. Through it all. 
the Illinois State Black Chamber of Commerce urges you to vote no on the politician's tax hike amendment. Why? Because it would especially hurt women and minorities. The politician's tax hike amendment would immediately authorize an initial $3.4 billion tax hike, hurting thousands of small businesses at the worst possible time. Tens of thousands of jobs would be lost, jobs at hospitals, restaurants, and services that employ more women and minorities. And it wouldn't stop there. The day after the election, the politicians would have new power to hike taxes on anyone, including lower and middle income families. For our families and our communities, the politicians' tax hike amendment is a bad idea at the worst possible time. Please join the Illinois State Black Chamber of Commerce and thousands of small businesses and vote no on the politicians' tax hike amendment. Paid for by the Coalition to Stop the Proposed Tax Hike Amendment. Closed captioning is sponsored by the Illinois State Lottery. So this has been a chaotic year. We've had the pandemic. We've had the unrest. We've had you've had to close the city. You person, your personage, how are you faring and what have you done to just maintain good health? Yeah. Mental health and physical health. Mental health and physical health. Look, it has been a really difficult year. And I would be lying if I didn't say that there were times that I have felt real despair. You know, I've felt despair around how many people have been permanently impacted by COVID, particularly our black community. When I came out, I'll never forget that Monday and said that black folks in the city were dying at seven times the rate of any other demographic. When I first saw that data, it took my breath away. Wow. It, it really took my breath away. So what, what is the science telling you today about the future of the pandemic and when we might return to normal, whatever the new normal might look like? Well, look, we, we, we've, this has been up and down, and this pandemic has been very unpredictable. What I know is, is this. We were, when we reopened our economy in early June, all the modeling that we saw predicted a spike. The question was how big it would be. And a lot of that depended upon adherence to social distancing, mask wearing, and so forth. Interestingly, we didn't see a spike in June when we started to reopen. In fact, we saw a continued downward trajectory. But then we started to see a spike in August. And that spike was driven by a significant uptick in cases in the 18 to 29-year-old cohort across demographics. And we started to see this continual uptick in the Latinx community. Mm. And so where we have focused a lot of our energy is on those two cohorts. What do we need to do to educate, um, to connect up to health services, and make sure that we are getting sufficient texting? Different strategies for the different groups, and even within the groups, different strategies. Within. So we formed a racial equity rapid response team when we saw the disproportionate impact on black Chicago. We have widened that table to include the Latinx community as well. So we've been very engaged now for months in testing, education, shoring up community resources, local federally qualified healthcare centers. We've gone all in on that, but there's still a lot of work to do. The good news is 
knock on wood, right now in mid-September, we are seeing a downward trajectory. We went up as high as over 400 cases a day. Why I emphasize that is 400 is kind of the bright line where if you exceed that number based upon CDC guidance, you are in the crisis red zone where you had you should be taking steps back. Now we didn't see that consistently. There's a this is how the cases go. But what we've seen consistently on a 7-day average, which is what we look at, is we are headed down, but we need to get under 200 cases per day. This increase has affected everything. It's affected bars and restaurants, personal service businesses. It's affected our schools. Retail. Retail. Everything is affected by a spike in cases. So we got to get this back down. We're doing a good job, but more work to be done. On that note, we'll be right back. Uh, we're in the mayor's office with Mayor Madam Lori Lightfoot, and we'll be right back. Hey, 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 we're guests here. Close the door. It's probably why our energy bill is so much higher than yours. You know, ComEd makes it easy to save money and energy. Hey, look, we even got an instant rebate on the smart thermostat. And rebates on Energy Star appliances, like this refrigerator. And this washer-dryer combo. Close the door! Find even more rebates from the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program at comed.com slash rebates. People will always come and go in our lives, but we all know those few who never left. The partners who've always had you covered. That friend you consider the best, because that's how they make you feel. At Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, we know what it means to be there, guiding you toward a healthier state of mind. Because the more we know as individuals, the healthier we all feel as a community. Through it all. The Illinois State Black Chamber of Commerce urges you to vote no on the politician's tax hike amendment. Why? Because it would especially hurt women and minorities. The politician's tax hike amendment would immediately authorize an initial $3.4 billion tax hike, hurting thousands of small businesses at the worst possible time. Tens of thousands of jobs would be lost, jobs at hospitals, restaurants, and services that employ more women and minorities. And it wouldn't stop there. The day after the election, the politicians would have new power to hike taxes on anyone, including lower and middle income families. For our families and our communities, the politicians tax hike amendment is a bad idea at the worst possible time. Please join the Illinois State Black Chamber of Commerce and thousands of small businesses and vote no on the politicians tax hike amendment. Paid for by the coalition to stop the proposed tax hike amendment. Madam Mayor, I went on Facebook and I asked a question. And the question was, if you could interview Mayor Lightfoot, 
what would you ask her? So here's a Facebook question from okay. Lisa Thomas. She asked, do you feel that the aldermen are supporting or defying you? Also, do you feel Tony Pretwinkle, as the Cook County Democratic Party chair, is supporting you? <laughs> Come right at me, Hermine. Take the gloves off. It's <laughs> a Facebook question. Lisa Thomas. Look, as you and many people across the city know, um, I was elected uh, with very little in the way of aldermanic support. Very little. And I got a resounding mandate for change. 50... 50 wards, 50 wards, almost 75% of, of the vote. I think there are a lot of people that for that cause them a lot of angst. I work very hard in my time as mayor to try to build relationships with everybody and President Preckwinkle included. I don't know that she's interested and that's probably putting it mildly. But as for the aldermen, we are not always gonna agree and I'm a very different mayor than what they've been used to. Um, I don't horse trade, meaning I don't buy votes, uh, which is, I think, something difficult for a number of them uh, to get used to. That's the Chicago way. It's not my way. I also feel like you've got to be a fiduciary for the entire city, meaning you don't just focus on your little um, geography. You've got to be a leader and a legislator for the whole city. That's something, I think, different than what they've been called upon to do. I think for the most part, I have good um, working relationships with most aldermen. Um, some of them, I think, uh, we have very close relationships and they are, are very strong allies. Um, I work and govern to 26, meaning I don't need for my ego and for the press to have a 40-vote uh, referendum on every single thing that I put forward. I'm asking them to do some things that are different. I'm asking them in many instances to get out of their comfort zone. I need 26 votes to win. That's what I govern towards is 26. As a black woman, and I know you interface with other black mayors mm -hmm. in the country, mm -hmm. do you feel that there is a difference? We saw the council wars with Mayor Harold Washington, and he says pretty much what you did, uh, but as a black woman, do you feel uh, added pressure? If so, what is it? So I don't feel added pressure, but is there a different set of standards because I'm black, I'm a woman, and I'm gay? Absolutely. And I know that from my life experience, almost 60 years old, um, being in and out of corporate America, there's a different set of rules mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. There always will be probably for my whole lifetime. I hope it's different um, as my daughter uh, matures and becomes an adult. But right now in the world that we live in, racism is still alive and kicking. Um, sexism is still alive and kicking. And homophobia is still alive and kicking. Now, um, how do I deal with that? I play the hand that I'm dealt as best as I can, but I'm never fooled into thinking that I get special meaning favorable treatment because of my status. That's not the way the world works. And truthfully, there are many in the black community who are people of power who don't recognize that we have something important 20 plus years since Harold was here. What happened in the immediate aftermath of Harold's death? Black folks couldn't get together. We fought each other. And then what happened? Fought over silly, on, on silliness actually. Right. And as a result, from when Harold passed in 1987, it took till 2019 
where it's at over 20 years, almost 30 years, to get another black mayor. You recently uh, told the city that we've got a deficit, $1.2 billion. What does that mean? Does that mean our real estate taxes might go up? Does that mean layoffs at City Hall? What's that really look like? Look, we're saying it in the context of two, I think, important things that, that make this time different than any other time. We're saying it in the context of a COVID-induced economic crisis. Why I emphasize that is this isn't like in 2008 or 2009, where we had a structural problem in the economy that was adjusting and that took a long time for us to be able to get back on our footing. This is a creation of a virus and the response to that virus, which forced us to shut down portions of our economy. I am confident that when we get on the other side of this, our economy will rebound. Why I emphasize that is, while we have to deal with the present, we don't have to use the same set of tools that we may have if this was a longer-term structural adjustment in the economy. It's not a one-timer, but it's not something that is long-term, I believe. So while we are um, not... Um, ready to announce what the tools are, every lever that we can pull is currently on the table. And I've said this very um, clearly. The last thing I want to do is raise property taxes, but I can't take that off the table. Next to that, and the last thing I want to do is cut personnel and put people out into an economy where over 900,000 Chicagoans have already filed for unemployment this year. But I can't say that that's not in the offing. This, the size of this COVID deficit, 1.2 billion, in which 783 million is directly COVID related, means that we have to look hard at making sure that we are doing the things that are structural to fix the problem for the long term and avoid to the extent that we can one-term measures. Now, we're not going to be able to avoid one-term measures entirely, but I want to make sure that we do something that doesn't create long-term harm. The second thing that I'll say that's also important, and you know this well, budgets are a way in which you speak your values. Mm -hmm. We made some very important and necessary strategic investments aimed at shoring up the financial fortunes of black and brown communities that hadn't seen a nickel of investment from the government in decades. So we're not, that won't, the budget will not affect your program with the South and the West Side. We cannot retreat from that. If anything, what I think is we need to actually double down on those investments to the extent that we can. Why? Because if we expand opportunity and hope in a neighborhood like Austin or Roseland or South Shore or Inglewood. What are we doing? We are investing in the human capital and potential. Mm -hmm. When you particularly think about violence that is driven in, in large measure by black and brown men and boys, what are we saying to them if we, if we retreat from trying to provide them with support? 
I want young black boys and young brown boys in this city to see a whole world of possibilities for their life and not think that they are on a force march to somebody's corner spot. Right. You, we, the legislators just passed a casino mm-hmm. bill. We're allowing Chicago to have casino and that will be revenue into the yes. coffers. What's your casino vision? Well, my vision is not just a casino. Mm-hmm. My vision is a whole entertainment district mm-hmm. that provides good paying jobs for the residents who will be working in that entertainment complex. The casino will be a part of it. But my team has spent a lot of time really doing research all across the country in the world, looking at the models that are most successful and the models that are most successful um, are entertainment districts that also have a lot of public-facing amenities that don't cost anything, creating a new public square where you can have things like outdoor concerts, mm-hmm. movies, um, farmers markets, mm. something that year-round provides the neighborhood in which this district si- sits with um, amenities and economic opportunity. So last question. We're running for a second term? Oh, yeah. Definitely. You heard it here first. Lori Lightfoot, second term. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Thank you very much. My pleasure. The Illinois State Black Chamber of Commerce urges you to vote no on the politician's tax hike amendment. Why? Because it would especially hurt women and minorities. The politician's tax hike amendment would immediately authorize an initial $3.4 billion tax hike, hurting thousands of small businesses at the worst possible time. Tens of thousands of jobs would be lost, jobs at hospitals, restaurants, and services that employ more women and minorities. And it wouldn't stop there. The day after the election, the politicians would have new power to hike taxes on anyone, including lower- and middle-income families. For our families and our communities, the politicians' tax hike amendment is a bad idea at the worst possible time. Please join the Illinois State Black Chamber of Commerce and thousands of small businesses and vote no on the politicians' tax hike amendment. Paid for by the Coalition to Stop the Proposed Tax Hike Amendment. Thank you.